Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Sarah Ellis. And I'm Helen Tupper. And you're listening to the Squiggly Careers podcast, where every week we talk about a different topic to do with work and discuss practical ideas and actions to help you find your way through the squiggly world of work. And as we talk to you today, we have just recorded our TED Talk and we wanted to say a quick thank you to everybody who supported us. I know lots of people bought tickets to come along to the virtual live event on Saturday. We got lots of really kind messages of people saying good luck and cheering us on and supporting us when you're not really seeing anyone ever at the moment. (laughs) It would mean a lot anyway, but I think it meant even more to us to just feel like we had people all over the place, just kind of saying good luck and I hope Squiggly goes well and people have been really kind and people who are there have shared it on LinkedIn and places like that. So thank you all, we really do appreciate it. The talk will be released for everybody to be able to watch in a couple of weeks' time and and when that does come out we'll talk about it a bit more and I think we might even do an episode on what we learnt from the TED Talk. Not how to do a TED Talk but more, I think we learnt some very probably useful lessons about public speaking, about working out what you want to say, working together remotely, I think, at times. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely put some pressures on that point. I mean, it it really did. We were... um, We're still friends. We still work together, so... I think we perhaps got the closest to having an evening off each other, though, didn't we, during the process? (laughs) Yeah, I think there was a moment when we were like, there is no good going to come from this continual WhatsApp chat about how we should make this better when we don't agree with each other. (laughs) Oh, Oh, we laugh now, everyone. We laugh now. (laughs) What will you remember, Helen? What will you remember about the day itself, about turning up to Abbey Road Studios and doing that talk? I will remember, A, wanting to hug people because I'm so excited and not being able to and just be like, oh, I want to hug you. I'll also remember when we did the talk, we had these boards, one of which is actually on the wall behind me right now. Uh, We had a board with a ladder on, which obviously we kind of got rid of. And we had a board with a squiggle, which we were holding up high. There was just a lot of debate in the process of recording our TED Talk about when to bring the boards on, where to put the boards, how to hold the boards so they didn't create a shadow. Sarah and I had a screen between us, so that was also some complexity. And I think we spent so much more time talking about the placement of the boards than we did, like, any kind of details about the talk. I remember Mariam, who is the coordinator of TEDx London, she was like, look, just we'd finally sorted the boards plan out. She's like, just kind of have a go, just go. And then we just did it, and I didn't realise... 
that was going to be the, the one. The, the one. <laughs> and then we sort of delivered it and it's 10 minutes long. And then it was like, OK, you're done now. And I thought, oh, no, I wanted to savour the moment a little bit and make it big <laughs> in my head. But the boards actually probably distracted us from the talk itself, which maybe wasn't a bad thing. What about you? I mean, I'll always remember turning up and doing a COVID test as the first thing and and the nervousness of, I mean, I was nervous. I'd not had a COVID test before. I've given my toddler multiple COVID tests, but this was the first one that I'd had to do. And that's a very weird way to start an event that you're already quite nervous about. And I will always remember the nurse and he was who kind of administered the test for us and you get instant results. And he was just so kind to me and supportive and obviously could tell that I was nervous he was just really reassuring and I think you know when you just really need it in that moment but anyway we are really grateful for everyone who turned up and supported us and we'll talk about it more kind of in the weeks to come so today we're going to be talking about transferable skills and this is a topic where a few listeners have asked us to maybe dive into this in a bit more depth so it's kind of been on our mind for a while And actually, we're starting to notice, I think probably increasingly during 2020, lots of people thinking about either proactively changing careers or pivoting in some ways. Some people having to react to the situation we kind of all find ourselves in and wanting to spend some time figuring out what their transferable skills are. And then there's a bit of a disconnect when you actually then listen or read or watch people kind of talking about transferable skills. It's such a big topic that the real risk I think is that it becomes generic and not particularly useful so we have really tried to think today about we'll talk a bit about kind of why they're important but really think about what they are and and how do you figure this out for yourself how do you work out what are your transferable skills what's kind of useful what actions can you take what could you be doing today on transferable skills that's where we're going to try and get to in the podcast in the next 20 or 30 minutes. So we'll start, I think, first with why are transferable skills an important thing for you to focus some time on? Frustration aside that they seem to get sort of talked about as some magical wand for your future. We'll get on to that point. But um, just generally, why is it worth thinking about the set of skills and maybe also what are the key transferable skills? We'll talk about that as well. The why is really about like the way that work is at the moment. So if you think about the amount of change that we've got in the way that we're working, where we're working, what we're working on, that's given this need for us all to look at upskilling and reskilling. Because it's very likely we're going to do jobs that don't exist yet with skills that we don't even know we need yet. And therefore, we have to have the ability to keep learning and developing new skills. And that's all great. And some things will look very different from role to role that you go to because of that. But there are some things that will stay with you as you squiggle. So whether that's a different role internally or because you're going on to a new job and you have quite a lot of control over what those things that you want to stay, those skills that you want to stay with you as you squiggle are. And the point is that those skills, which we will call your transferable skills, the things that you want to stay with you as you squiggle, they are the things that give you some consistency and control in an uncertain and quite complex world of work. So when there's a lot of change going on, you don't have to change all of your skill set all of the time. Actually, there's almost like a baseline. I think you can take a lot of confidence from like a baseline skill set that no matter 
what job you go and do and what company you go and do it in, you know that you are going to bring those skills and you can keep investing in them and you can keep improving them, but you don't need to radically change them. Whereas there might be some other skills that you do need to radically change because technology is different or it's a completely new product that you're working with or something like that there will be some things that are brand new but these transferable skills are things that you just continually build on you continually get better at them and they're like a confident baseline that you can take with you and so that's why they are important they give you some consistency in quite an uncertain and at times quite complicated world of work yeah and I think that distinction between what skills stay with you and making sure you've then also got enough space for new skills is a really nice way of thinking about it because I think we know that having a beginner's mindset and we know that there will just be some things that we want to learn that we just don't even know about yet and so we always want to create the space and make sure that we leave some space for that and then we want to at the same time be confident in what's going to stay with me wherever I squiggle. If I'm going to have five different types of career and those types of career could be about the industry you're working in, how you're working, where you're working, what you're working on, those changes can look and feel very different for us at different times in our life. This kind of idea of sticking in space I think is really helpful to consider. So can we talk a little bit about the master list of transferable <laughs> skills? <laughs> of which there isn't one. <laughs> oh, so we started to look, everybody, for like, okay, what everyone talked generically about these transferable skills. What are the top 10 transferable skills? And there are so many reports and there are some consistencies. So, you know, like communication, problem solving comes up quite a lot. But some of these lists have like 21 transferable skills you need. <laughs> some have 10. Some I've got like 100. And we got to the point of thinking we don't think it's that helpful to have a generic list of uber skills because a there's like lots of different lists to be honest with you and also these skills are just so so big that it's not that helpful to say oh Sarah you need to know communication problem solving and analytics because if Sarah does a completely different job to me then actually what those skills look like in practice for Sarah are going to be really really different because they're almost just too big to be helpful. So one of the things that we found helpful in our workshops and that we've done ourselves when we're thinking about transferable skills is start with yourself, kind of not worrying about other people or any of these lists of skills that we'll kind of talk about in a second, but think about how you do your job today. So often some of our job specific things are more in the what we do, whereas the hows, like how we get our job done, tends to be something that we can transfer regardless of industry or career a useful coach yourself question here is to think about imagine you are going to do your friends someone in your family's job on Monday so a job that you've got zero experience in no kind of knowledge or expertise in what are the skills that you would take with you into that job so this is not you pretending to be them this is you being you and going to kind of do this imaginary role and thinking okay well I wouldn't be able to rely on knowledge and kind of technical expertise the only thing I would have would be my house so what would those be what might I take with me so Helen let's Give a couple of examples to people here. So what job are you going to imagine yourself doing? I always find this really fun. I love imagining different jobs. I am going to go and be a teacher. Like I'm going to be a lecturer in a university. That's what I'm going to do on, uh, okay. on Monday. What, what are you going to uh, lecture in? 
I need oh, to know the specifics. Oh gosh, Sarah, God, you asked me lots of hard questions today. I don't know, behavioural science, not that I could. If I'm just plucking things out of the air, I'll go and do that. Okay. I'm somebody's sort of infill for the day, they're sick and they've gone, Helen can teach behavioural science. <laughs> okay, so you don't know much, um, let's assume you don't know very much about behavioural science, which presumably okay. you don't. Um, not that much, no. So what, what would you take with you? What might your house be? Okay, so rapport building really really quickly with lots of people so the other lecturers I'd be like how do you run a session with students yeah. <laughs> so I'd ask them really really quickly I'd get their lesson notes and probably with the students in the class itself like I would build that sense of connection with people really really quickly so that would be like my kind of go-to Helen skill that I would use and then I think the other thing would be like energy so I'd think okay it might not be the most expert session you've ever been in because I don't know this topic very much but it will be the most energizing (laughs) so I would get people talking to each other and sharing and they'd come away going that was amazing I don't know what I learned but I feel a lot better (laughs) so yeah energy and rapport would probably be my go-to I could actually imagine you doing that job. Whereas when I do these things, I just think, oh, what can't I do? Or what, what do I really not know anything about? So I went with gardening. Okay, um, right. I, partly, I think, because I'm missing... I love visiting gardens at weekends. Most of the ones I particularly like going to are closed at the moment, or you have to be very organised to book, and I, I never am. So I'm missing going to those gardens. So I'm imagining turning up and being a gardener in big grounds, like in a National Trust property or something. And I think one of the things that I would always take into any role is being able to come up with ideas from scratch. So if somebody said, we don't know what to do with this bit of land or what could we create here, that doesn't faze me. I would always go, oh, I find that interesting and exciting. So I'd be thinking about, oh, are we going to do, could we do a sensory garden? Could we do something that'd be really fun for babies? Could we do something that'd be really fun for kids to climb on? Could we introduce some animals here? I would find that just really fun. So I think if they needed any kind of inspiration for we've got space here and we're not sure what to do with it, I think I'd always really enjoy that. And I think different to you, I think I build rapport and relationships in a very different way to you. I think often the thing I'm good at is I'm good at spotting when people need help or a bit stuck or maybe struggling. And you always say the thing that I'm good at is knowing when someone needs a coffee. And I I think I am good at going oh, do you want a cup of tea? Should we just go for a little walk and have a coffee and just have a chat? Not putting people under pressure, but hopefully being there to listen and to help. Um, I think you probably build relationships primarily, at least at the start, through empathy, whereas at the start, I'd probably do it through energy. Yeah, that's probably true. a bit actually. of a distinction between us. And I think it all, <laughs> it all nets out, hopefully, good relationships with people that are slightly more diverse than just those two things. But our starting point probably is you coming at things from a position of empathy and me from sort of the energy point. So we definitely recommend have a go at that first. So before you get into any of the kind of actions that we're going to talk about, almost put yourself in the shoes of another role you don't know anything about and just think, what would you take with you? Because that will give you a good starting point for these are some of the transferable skills I already have. And then we'll now figure out, okay, what are you going to do with them? And then the other thing that we wanted to kind of talk about before we get into some sort of practical things for you to think about your transferable skills is that if you Google transferable skills, you'll come up with loads of lists. Like there's lots of different reports that have been on this, but honestly, I don't really know how helpful they are because some of them have got like, here's your top 10 transferable skills. And there's other ones that have got, you know, 21 transferable skills that you need right now. And it's just a bit overwhelming. And it's also just a bit 
generic. So what we would say is that this is a really personal thing and we'll talk a little bit about how you can personalise those transferable skills for you in your career, but just not to treat this as a tick list. Our careers are as individual as we are and whilst there might be some guidance on the skills that are becoming increasingly important across a broad range of organisations and industries it's not a list to tick your way through and I think if you treat it like that it could be just quite daunting and you could just spend all of your time trying to be amazing at communication and amazing at whatever other generic skill it's put on there and I just think it'd be really difficult as well for you to see yourself making progress when you just look at some of those big headings and the uber skills that a lot of those lists reference. It's an impossible task isn't it we've spent quite a lot of time looking through those preparation for today's podcast. We actually probably prepared for this more than we do most podcasts because we really wanted to make sure it was going to be helpful. And actually, I think the conclusion we definitely came to is there is some usefulness in these lists, which we'll talk about, but certainly not as a way to go, oh, brilliant, that's my answer for kind of what needs to get done. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. So the first thing we want to do is to help you to get to a list of transferable skills that are manageable for you to invest your time in improving, but are also relevant to you and your career. So getting away from that generic tick list into something that's actually useful for you. So let's break this down a little bit. The first thing for you to do that and make it relevant for you is to think about your personal career possibilities. So these are the opportunities you're interested in exploring for your career and that might take you in lots and lots of different directions. Maybe just start with three possibilities that you're intrigued by. So for me that would be you know the one that I'm doing at the moment so running our own business. It might be working in learning and development for a company and maybe I'll put that lecturing one down. So that would be three possibilities that I'm interested in finding more about. 
the second thing, once you've got those possibilities, is almost use the lists, and we will put these on our website for you, so you can use them as a bit of an input, but scan down all these lists of transferable skills and think about which ones of those skills are consistent across the different possibilities. So rather than just this generic list, look at them and think, okay, well, for me, for example analytical skills is not one of the things that's consistent for me across those different possibilities. So whilst it might make the Uber list, it's not necessarily that relevant for me and what I want to do in the future. But maybe, I don't know, problem solving or creative thinking or something around communication, that might be something that I could almost tick on each of the possibilities that I'm intrigued by. And then once you've got that match, that these are the things that I'm interested in exploring and these are the couple of skills that stay consistent, then you're able to prioritise your investment in developing on those skills. And it's not that you never want to pay any attention to the other ones, it's just that with the limited amount of time that we all have to invest in our learning and development, prioritising that on the skills that are consistent across the possibilities that you want to explore and find out more about are where you'll really get more value out of your efforts. Yeah, I think there's one final stage here when you've done that. And I am sure Helen will talk you through a matrix very, very shortly, (laughs) everybody, because we've sort of had a chat about how do we, what kind of assets and resources can we create for everybody on this topic? And I think the other thing that's really important is to know your possibilities so that you know which ones you want to explore, to connect the skills that will stay with you to those possibilities. And the third area is think about, and do you enjoy those things? Because I think there could be some possibilities you're intrigued by, and then you could identify a skill that you could think, I can see objectively how that could be useful across all of those possibilities, but it's not something that I enjoy. It's something that perhaps you then identify you need to be good enough at because you don't want it to hold you back and you don't want it to be a barrier to doing the things you want to do. But it's probably not one you want to overinvest in if you don't enjoy it. And so I think that kind of has to be the final filter almost is just ask yourself that question. Again, if I was doing this exercise and I was starting to think about this, I would be thinking, okay, Usually there's some sort of creativity, developing ideas in most of these kind of master lists somewhere along the lines. And I go, brilliant, that's something I'm already good at and I really enjoy and I can see how it's relevant for what I do now and what I want to do in the future. Great, I'm going to really overinvest in that. I might identify something else like critical thinking that I can also see would be useful, but perhaps it's something I don't enjoy quite as much. And so with that area, I might think, okay, well, how do I make sure that I just get good enough, but without worrying about spending too much time and energy and effort in that area? Can you see the matrix, Helen? Is it forming? (laughs) I can see the matrix. I can see a two by two matrix. I've got four quadrants. I don't know how clearly I'm going to uh, explain this to everybody. So pod plus might be a good thing for people to join us on this week. But I think the matrix is something around, do you enjoy it high and low? And is it useful high, Mm. low? So for example, something that is high enjoyment and high usefulness is that's definitely like a priority area but something that is useful but isn't something that you enjoy it might just something that you kind of give a bit of attention to because you don't want to ignore if it's useful for you in your career you kind of want to be aware of it but you don't necessarily want to engage in it I'm going to give it some more thoughts Sarah and then maybe on this week's pod plus I will draw it and share it with everybody And if you're listening and you're thinking, oh, I can't make Pod Plus, we do it every Thursday at nine o'clock UK time for 30 minutes. We record every episode and we usually share any of the models that we create will be on Instagram as well. So that's just at Amazing F. 
So the second idea for action on transferable skills is to break them down. So the problem with these transferable skills is these are really big topics in their own right. So even as I'm kind of looking at them now, there's just these big headers that just say creativity, (laughs) leadership, communication. And you think, crikey, that's a life's work in themselves. Even just one of those getting kind of really brilliant at those things. And so I think when you start to think about your transferable skills, just be wary of sweeping statements, I sometimes call them, like going, oh, it's all about communication. I think instead really challenge yourself to break down that kind of big master transferable skill into loads of sub-skills. So what are all the skills that you need to develop the ladder up to and kind of build up to that kind of big skill? So if it was something like communication, you might think about, okay, well, if it's written communication, what types of written communication? Is it listening? Is it listening in certain contexts, in certain kind of meetings? Is it about speaking? What sort of speaking am I doing? Is it spontaneous, as in within a meeting, offering thoughts and opinions? Is it practice presentations? What are the other things that will help you with that communication? Is it things around confidence, like self-confidence? Are you usually doing that communication by yourself or with other people? And so really start to kind of break down that skill so that then again, you can start to think about, actually, I feel quite confident in my written skills, for example, you might think, and actually through my day job, perhaps you get a lot of practice kind of doing those things, but it might help you to really identify in a very specific way. But you know what? I've not given much thought to my listening skills, for example, that's exactly what I've done for this year for 2021. When I was thinking about this for myself, communication, obviously really important in what Helen and I do, whether that's talking on a podcast or running a workshop or writing, but very particularly when I broke down all all the different kind of parts of communication, I recognized I'd really wanted to improve my listening skills. And I'm definitely an introverted person who sometimes your brain is working so quickly and whirring so hard you find it hard to listen. You're actually not as good at listening as a result. You're kind of not as present. And so I was like, right, okay, if listening is the thing that I really want to get better at, even that's pretty big, then you can break that down even further and think about, okay, so when do I really want to listen better? What might that look like? How will I know that I'm making progress? What am I going to start to do differently? Because this won't just happen. You know, it kind of needs intentional effort. And actually, even by, I'm probably five weeks into the year now, it's really interesting. It's really helped me to then actually think about, okay, if a transferable skill, kind of uber skill is communication, I'm already starting to feel confident by the end of 2021, my listening skills will be, if they were a five out of 10, my ambition is going, oh, I'm going to try and get them to a seven. Like, what does it look like to get into a seven out of 10 in the next 12 months? What are all the things that I could kind of start to do? And just by doing that breaking down process, I've got to a very kind of specific learning objective that feels much more kind of relevant and useful for me. And one thing that might help you is, might help you too, Sarah, I don't know, (laughs) but there's a a transferable skills inventory that I found that has come out of a division of Harvard somewhere. And it takes some of the significant skills and then breaks them down into lots of sub-skills. So for example, nonverbal communication being kind of a bigger heading. And it talks about, well, even within that skill, there are sub-skills like your ability to listen careful and attentively, the point that Sarah made, using body language to make other people come 
comfortable developing rapport, expressing your feelings through body language, responding to nonverbal cues. There's almost like a list of 10 sub skills under each of the kind of specific skills which might sit at the transferable skills index level. So if you can't do it for yourself, if you can't take the communication and break it down into a number of sub skills that then you can think about prioritizing, maybe go and have a look at the transferable skills inventory that we'll put on the blog post that goes with this podcast on our website and it might just help you to think about okay well what is a sub skill that I feel that I could focus on so that I'm not so distracted by this really really big skill that feels quite difficult and hard to do meaningfully. And then the last thing that we think can really help you to make this point around transferable skills practical. So I guess the first one was about connecting it to your possibilities. That was about making it personal. And then the second thing was about taking the Uber skill into something that you could move forward so you could make progress. The last thing is about making it really practical with what you could do today. There's a few things that you can do here. So the first one is about job crafting. So once you've got the clarity, like so Sarah, for example, talked about listening. She's taken communication. She's made it much more specific to her and turned it into listening being something she wants to prioritise. The first thing that Sarah could do is she could look at her job as it stands today, how she spends her time in an average working week and think about how she could develop that skill in the context of her job. So maybe it is in certain meetings that she's in where she wants to play with a different role rather than primarily leading it she's going to think about how she could kind of take a primarily listening role in it or maybe there's certain things that we do in our business that Sarah could do more of where she could play more of that listening role but this is about you looking at your average kind of working week and thinking about what could I do differently in the job that I'm in today that would give me the option to develop and demonstrate that skill more that's kind of the first one maybe you can come up with those ideas for yourself maybe you could talk to a manager or a mentor or a colleague and they might be able to spot some of the opportunities for you to use that skill in a slightly different way than you might be using it at the moment the second thing that you could do is think about how you keep learning and we often talk about curating your own curriculum and this is about thinking about the sources and resources that you can invest your time in that can help you to improve your skill. So maybe it's something that you are reading, maybe there's some books on this topic like creative problem solving or listening or building rapport that you could read and maybe there are some TED Talks where people have talked about this and their perspective and how they've done it. Maybe there are some podcasts that are really specific on the topic it's about you bringing all those sources together and spending some time with them because it might help you to think about how you develop that skill in different ways and then the last thing in terms of practically what can you do right now to improve that skill is to look outside of work are there initiatives projects volunteering you know passion projects for you are there things that you could get involved in outside of work that would help you to use that strength and develop that skill in a slightly different context because this doesn't always have to be about the day job sometimes when we develop skills in very different contexts it can help us to be more skillful because we just have like a more diverse experience of using that strength and that might be because you're doing it with different people or it's a completely different completely different environment that you're doing it in than a day job but ultimately we talk about frequency builds competency the more you use that skill the better you will get at using it and you can bring that betterness to kind of whatever context it is that you're using that skill in so we hope that's been really helpful for you and we've done our best to try and take what is a big topic and make it useful in the here and now 
we'd love to know from you if there's anything we've missed or if you've still got gaps or you're stuck let us know because this is not a topic that's going to go away and we want to make sure we can bring all of our practical usefulness to it and we will start to think about you know there might be some resources that we create outside of the podcast Helen will get on the case with her matrix Um, (laughs) but if there is more that we could do here we would love to know usually the easiest way to get in touch with us is on Instagram we're just at amazing if or you can always connect with one of us on LinkedIn and send us a message there just let us know you've listened to the podcast just so that we kind of know who you are and then again just you know give us some feedback in terms of what does this topic mean to you? And just, is there anything else we can do to support you? Because we'll, I'm sure we'll keep coming back to it kind of over the next year or so. And so just to kind of recap on a few things that will help you, if you do want to have a look at some of those lists and like the skills inventory that we mentioned, just go to amazingif.com. It'll be under the podcast and you'll find all of that there. The other thing would be Podplus. So if you do listen to this in time, you can come to the live session on Thursday of the week this podcast goes out or just go to amazingiflearning.com and then you'll be able to catch up on the recording. And then last but not least, Sarah did do a podcast. It's number 183. I'll link to this as well in the post which was called a reskilling revolution and that was with pip jameson and jimmy mclaughlin and that could be a really good follow-on listen as well if this is an area you think you want to immerse yourself in a little bit more and you want to hear some other thoughts and perspectives on it as well so we hope that's been useful as ever if you get a moment to rate review and subscribe it means that we can share our podcast with lots more people and it does something clever with algorithms that neither of us <laughs> quite understand but we know that's not one important. of our transferable skills yeah. it's going to be consistent across our possibilities <laughs> and a way that you can always support us on all things squiggly is doing that if you've read the book leaving a review or just a star rating on amazon really really helps us and it's sort of one of those things i think until you're sort of in that world of being in a small business you don't probably appreciate just how much those things matter Mm. and they're free and they hopefully only take five minutes they're one of those five minute favors that we sometimes talk about so perhaps if you have a spare five minutes you could do that for us we'd be immensely grateful and also we read them all and it makes is our way of getting a little bit of feedback so it makes us really happy i looked today at podcast reviews and they really made me smile and i was like oh it's like the nicest feeling (laughs) Uh, so i think that's everything for this week we hope that's been helpful and we'll look forward to speaking to you again soon bye for now bye everyone Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Discover South Carolina.